Now let's welcome our pastor. Praise God. Praise him. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. I don't think I'm going up there today. Y'all insist on sitting so far away, I'll just come a little closer to you. Is that all right? Yes. All right. About new beginnings today, amen? Yes, sir. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Does anybody know what... Uh, what 16 is, it stands for in the Bible? Nobody look at your phones. <laughs> you know, I'm big on numbers. I love, I just love it. I don't know if I'm big on it. I just, I enjoy the study of biblical numerology. <clears throat> Every perversion that the world offers, you know, God has a real thing, you know. And I think uh, the, the entire word is encoded in numbers. Just like our computer system, you know. Where do you think we got it from? The mind of God. <laughs> I'll tell you, the number 16 is symbolic of love and loving. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I told you, you'd be happy to know. <laughs> yep. There are 16 in the Old Testament. God is... You know, God has lots of different names. I don't know if you know that. He's not God. He is God, but but he has names. And uh, just like the song they were singing that says, You are the God who heals me. Well, he, he first revealed himself as God the healer, Jehovah Rapha, in Exodus when they first came out of, out of uh, Egypt. And they came to the bitter waters, remember? And there was nothing to drink. And... And uh, the Lord had Moses to throw a stick into the waters and it made the bitter water sweet so they could drink. That's symbolic of, of the cross making, purifying our lives. But nevertheless, that's where he was referred to, referred to as God who heals, Jehovah Rapha. He has lots of names. So 16 times in the Old Covenant, his names that he revealed to us over time have to do with his overwhelming love for his children and that's why they have given the uh the number 16 uh as a meaning for love and loving in the bible the duality of this is eight plus eight equals 16 and we know the number eight is for new beginnings the eighth day or the first day of the second week when jesus rose from the dead amen new beginnings so here we are in the new year representing love and loving and we're standing here talking about new beginnings and I'm excited you know I don't know how many of you have embarked on your annual resolutions I know some of you do that I think we all do I, I actually started but I did some sit-ups I know push-ups this morning I'm aiming for a thousand a day Push-ups or sit-ups? Push-ups. <laughs> Push-ups. Wow. Yeah, I should go. I should go for the sit-ups. I think. <laughs> Either one. Hey, hey, if you aim for the stars, hey, if you hit the moon, hey, that's pretty good, huh? Yeah. 
<laughs> I used to be able to do over 100 a day <laughs> when I was thinking of going to the Air Force Academy. And, uh, and I could do, what do you call those uh, uh, dips? I could do, I, I never had to stop. Never. I, I never found a time when I was tired of doing them. I just quit because of, I got tired of doing it. <laughs> but now I don't think I can do a dip. And uh, in all honesty, uh, my push-ups were not in triple digits. They barely made double this morning. So, <laughs> But hey, you got to start somewhere. I told you all before that, uh, you know, every time I drive by uh, Planet Fitness, you know, I, I hold up my card. I'm saying, I have my membership. What's the, what's the problem here? Where are the results? As I drive by and wave. But listen, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for the new beginning that you gave us all through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for teaching us, growing us up in your word through knowledge and wisdom that we may shine brighter as beacons of your light in this fallen world in these last days. It's such an exciting time to be part of the kingdom of God, Lord. Help us to stay focused on you and not distracted by all the ploys of the enemy in this fallen world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we were talking last week. Um, about the end of the year, so it was called Reflection, and we were reflecting on the things that God had done in our lives, in and through us, and first for the good, things we can celebrate, and then some things that not maybe we missed the mark by a little bit, and so that we could ask Him to work on those things in our lives in a positive way, and, and give those things over to Him that we've been holding on so tightly, so that he could replace them with something better. Amen? And we discovered at the end of that message that the way to do all these things through, I think I gave a list of things by prayer and through the word and, and by rejecting all negativity in our lives, everything that's ungodly. All these things are good if you want a checklist of what you need to do. But the way that we need to do them and the things that, well, if by doing those things, what they produce in our lives is the thing we really need is supernatural faith. Supernatural faith to walk this Christian life. And you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. And we talked a little bit more on, on New Year's Eve at the watch night party about the, the utter necessity of the Holy Ghost to be present and active in the lives of Christian believers in order for them to be able to do the Christian life correctly and to fulfill and even enter in into all the things that God has for their purpose. I think that people are selling themselves short because they have chosen either by false teaching or just by an unwillingness to accept the things of God. They're, they've They've stiff-armed God in some of the things, the provision He has for their life um, in the name of religion or spiritual laziness or unbelief, and they've hurt themselves because of it. Because we need all that God has for us in this life. 
everything that God, how, if it was necessary for Jesus and necessary for the disciples, then why wouldn't it be necessary for us? But I want to move a little further today because this is about new beginnings. The exciting, there's something exciting about a new year. Something always, because it's like a clean slate, we can start fresh. Anything is possible. Isn't that what God told Mary, the mother of Jesus? Or the, the archangel Michael told her, or Gabriel? Who came and talked to Mary? Gabriel, right? Gabriel. And this is what he told Mary when she asked, How, how's this going to happen? I don't know a man. You know, she knew a man, but she didn't know one that way yet. So she was just saying, how are you going to do this? And he told her. He told her how the Holy Spirit was going to come upon her. He said, for nothing shall be impossible with God. That's where we get that scripture. Right? <coughs> it's Luke one thirty-seven. <coughs> for those of you who are wondering. I, I think we, we hear that and we go, yeah, that's right. Nothing's impossible with God and and we know that God can do everything. We just have we struggle believing that He will do it for us. Samantha sent me a a deal last night from California, wishing me a happy sermon. I think and uh, and uh, she and her mother, I glean from them when they they tell me things. I always see it as the Lord talking to me. She said that you know man man's way is to say. Is when I see, I will believe, but God's way is believe, and then you'll see. And that's really the, the hardest thing for man to get a hold of and to really do. You know, we, we say we know it, we say we believe it, we study the things of God, we learn the Word, but putting them into practice is a whole different story. And I think that that's where we hurt ourselves many times. I want to tell you a little bit today. I don't know, maybe it'll help somebody. I want to tell you a little bit about what the Lord did in me and through me and how He how He raised me up, as it were, after a lifetime of thinking I was a Christian, uh, and I wasn't. I was full of pride and arrogance, and I really never had an encounter with Jesus Christ, a time when I was truly born again. I was just raised believing I was a Christian. Went to church on occasion and had a dusty old Bible in the, on the coffee table, you know. But I wasn't a Christian. There's a big difference. And that's a whole other series of lessons about true Christianity and discipleship. And maybe we'll get into that, but not today. But when I had my encounter with Jesus, it was a real deal. And I knew it. <coughs> And I asked him that day, I said, if you'll come into my, my home and into my heart today, I'll never ask you to leave. And that meant everything with me. That meant my marriage, my business, my relationships, everything to do. I was sick and tired of this world, and I wanted God. And he had been drawing me to himself my whole life, I guess. I can think back on different times when he made himself apparent to me. But coming to God and, and knowing how to do the Christian life don't come at the, it's not, it doesn't all come to you at once. But some of the things he helped me with 
was the fact that, uh, well, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you have your Bibles, I'll just go through a few scriptures with you today, and I hope they'll help you. Underline them in your Bible if you haven't already done so or already have them committed to memory, but these things are important. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That scripture, very profound to me. Everything is over with. And of course, those who are ministering to you and help you to come into the kingdom, to say the prayer, they can help you with some of these things in basics. So you, you realize something good has happened. You realize God's involved now, and you kind of get that. You feel, you feel an overwhelming uh, sense of love, and, and, and things definitely can be okay now because I've finally come to God. But you don't really know what to expect and so you're very vulnerable, I say, in those early days and stages. But if you just hang on, God will lead you through it. And he, he told, he, in the early days, he appeared to me in many ways and, and many times. And he still does. He's so loving and, and patient. But especially back in those days when I was seeking him with my whole heart, trying to learn about him trying to learn what my part was in this new relationship with this person that I had promised if he'd come in to my home and to my heart and to my marriage that I would never ask him to leave. I wanted to know how to, to, to welcome him. I wanted to know how to be his friend. And I was still struggling. I had come out of a hard, hard life. A hard life. Born into sin, born through corruption, and then continued to perpetuate these things on my own when there was still no excuse to, to blame on anyone else. I even got better at it, amen? Which is the tendency with these generational curses and things. But I made up new ways to seek pleasure and do evil and to be angry and to be violent and all the other things that are so destructive to a person and those who love them. And I remember right right away that this minister told me, he said, look, you know, everything is changed about this scripture. Everything is, is gone away now. And, and all things have become new. Everything is forgotten with God and, and you're in good standing. There's no more problems. <clears throat> well, the thing is, the preacher doesn't stay with you for you know all the time and then you're alone again and you're alone with all the problems that you had before you came to God and, and all that doesn't go away immediately either. You've sown a lot of seed and there's been a lot of confusion and wrong mindsets and, and you have to take time to get through all that. So there was some there was there were still some bad things happening, some flare ups, some some problems in my life, and I didn't really understand it. And this preacher came back and he said, Listen, he said, he gave me this example of the skunk. I've told this story a few times, probably maybe maybe you've heard it. But he said, You know how he's a whole country boy, he said, You know, you know how when you have a skunk under your house 
And uh, I was like, not really. He said, well, you, you know, you have to go in there and you have to kill them. You have to get them out of there. And he goes, well, the skunk is gone then. He goes, but that smell still lingers and it'll rise up from time to time for a while. He goes, that's kind of how it is with your salvation. I'm like, okay, well, I get it. So what you mean is just give it a little time and, and, and God is involved and things are going to get better. So I understood that. But... Believing, really, because you have a tendency of thinking, yeah, I know God is good and all these things can happen to most people, but probably not for me. That's our tendency. Probably not for me. You just don't know me like I know me. And so the next day, Devon and I, uh, were we left uh, work from one of the little businesses we had, and we went to the grocery store right about dark. I remember walking in there, and I was just my heart was so heavy. I still felt so lost, and, and, and all these things were still weighing on my mind. And I grabbed a basket, and Tavana was walking ahead of me, and we're in this uh, grocery store, and the phone rings. And I answer, and it's my stepfather, and he's laughing his head off. How you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. And he says, well, how's your skunk doing? Now, this is not a story I had shared with anyone, and they're 70 miles away. I said, excuse me? He says, your mama wants to know how your skunk is doing. (laughs) I said, and I stopped. And that quickened in my spirit. I knew it was God. It was weird to me because I I wasn't used to this sort of thing yet. But you know that you know when God talks to you in a way that you understand. And I said, tell her that skunk is dead and gone. Right there in the grocery store. And I said it loud. And he goes... Huh? (laughs) He goes, no, you don't understand. Last night, your mama had a dream that you were a little boy and you're pushing a grocery basket and you had a skunk in there. I said, no, I know what you mean. And tell her that skunk is dead and gone. And he didn't know what, then he thought I was crazy, but I knew. That was the point of the call. And, and, and I felt so happy and so warm. And Tavon and I were just like, this is when God really started showing off for us and doing things like that. We looked at each other. And I was like, oh, my goodness. That was God talking to us. And he began to reveal to me all the different ways that he would show up in our lives. <laughs> the uh, Probably the next day, I think it was. I was still, and I, I was absorbing this word, and for, for several years I did that, you know, 16 hours a day, whatever I, many days I could, I just, I was in the word. This was my desert, my wilderness time, you know, with the Lord, and he was teaching me, but that next day, after the grocery store and the skunk, letting me know that, sure enough, all these old things were passed away dead and gone then after work the next day I'm at a gas pump and Tavon and I we used to have uh, cattle on a beautiful 100 acre spread out there on Rose Hill and we had a couple lakes on there and and it was a beautiful place and we would see rainbows excuse me out there from time to time and Tavon got to call them cowboys because we always saw them at the pasture and we really loved them enjoyed them you know and that next day I was at the gas pump and again, just this overwhelming, you know, 
emptiness or, or I don't know what it was, but sadness, whatever you want to call it, um, came over me and I was just looking into this beautiful sunset. I never forget, it was going down right at the end of 2920. I was looking that way to the west and I just, tears were coming down my eyes and I said, God, I am seeking you. I never forget it. I said it out loud, but just to him. And as, as if someone touched me on my back, I turned around 90 degrees. And just like that, there was the biggest rainbow I'd ever seen. It encompassed the whole, you know, from end to end, the kind you seldom see. And it was like it was right there. And I looked around. I was like, you know, this is the kind of thing you want to share with somebody. And there was people everywhere. Nobody was looking at this rainbow. And I realized, well, it's just for me. I was seeking him and I found him. And he let me know I'm here. And then, of course, as you find out, the rainbow is a, a promise from God. It's, it's, a, it's a covenant agreement with God. And, of course... This wasn't something that I was afraid that he was ever going to destroy the earth again by water or flood. But I knew what it meant. It meant that I was in a covenant now with him. And that everything was well. He was with me. If I was seeking him, I had found him. And he was now in my life and in control. And everything was going to be okay. And I was so thankful for that experience. And I just continued to, to pursue him with everything that I was. And I still do to this day. But those were special times. The hardest thing, I think, in the Christian life is, is getting rid of condemnation. This fear of guilt and shame and... Somehow that we're special, but not special in a good way. We're special in the sense that, yeah, he might forgive everybody else, but there are things about me that, that he just, you know, he's not going to overlook. It's really pride, it's arrogance, and it's undermining what Jesus has done on our behalf, but we do it. We walk in condemnation, and this help, this, this keeps us from... This keeps us from sharing the life and the love of God because what it does, it hinders us from receiving it. And we can't give away what we have not received, especially love, because love only comes from God. There's no love in a marriage. There's no love in a relationship. When you get married, it's just an empty box. Only as you get closer to Christ does it get filled with those things. Only as you give of yourselves... Does that box get filled up with the good things that God has for that relationship? If all you do is take from it, you'll soon find that it's just an empty box. And it is the same way with our relationship with the Lord. But condemnation is one of the things that I dealt with so severely. But if you look to Colossians, the second chapter, there's so many. But this is one of the ones. Colossians is a wonderful book. For anyone trying to get past themselves and their guilt and shame, even anyone who's ever been involved in witchcraft or anything like that, there is nothing that Colossians will not overcome for you if you put it into your heart. The second chapter of Colossians, oh, that's Corinthians. 
Colossians, the second chapter, and let's just start around, I don't know, I always go back a little ways and start reading. Paul was talking to him, and he says, though I'm absent from you in the flesh, I'm with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He's talking about this church that he had established in, Col- in Colossae. He says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Rooted and built up in Christ. Just take a little sidestep here. You know, the problem with the world is not that they don't believe in God. The problem is with Christ. It's an antichrist spirit that's in the world. There are people all over the world that will kill you today in the name of God, but it's not really God. There's only one way to God, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. So people that don't think that Jesus has come in the flesh as Christ and as Savior and as God, they're misled, and they are entertaining a spirit of antichrist. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Right there it tells you that he is God. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the, the, old, the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it away, nailing it to the cross. <clears throat> Do you realize that the law, as you know it, the law of God, it does not even pertain to you anymore? All of the, <laughs> all of the transgressions against God's law were punished in the body of Jesus Christ. All the wrath of God was poured out upon him until it was exhausted. I'll go a step further and say that the sins, all of the sins of the entire world, even those people who don't know Jesus, were punished upon Jesus' body. It's, it's not their individual sins that's putting them in hell. It's their choices regarding the Savior of the world. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. But not all men are saved because we're saved by grace through faith. So unless you put your faith, your trust in the Savior and His finished work on your behalf, then you're not saved. (laughs) And there are many who call themselves Christians who are actually serving a false god. 
Because any Jesus that we create in our minds, it's the God of our ungodly imagination, I call it. Any Jesus other than the ones of this, the one of this Bible is really false. A lot of people create a false God to suit their own situation and circumstances. You see this in, you know, the gay and lesbian community many times. Wonderful people really seeking to love God and, and they've built their lives around a certain lie for so long that now there's only one option in their mind and that is to go find somebody who says it's okay and then build a church around that. You see? And it's a sad thing because it's really not God's best for their lives and it's better to know the truth because it's a, it's a demonic spirit that's causing them to entertain that and perpetuate that and they can be free of that. But not too many even pastors are strong enough to share that truth with people. But it's the truth that sets us free. Amen. Not just truth, but known truth that we act upon. Nevertheless... If you don't believe that Jesus was the payment for your sins, I don't think I even finished that. <laughs> yeah, I did. If you don't believe that he was the payment for your sins and that he was payment enough, then you're never going to really walk free in this life. I had a vision one time, of a dream actually, and I, I was still struggling with it. I struggled with it for a long time, and actually the devil still tries to, to, to come back and lie to me, and I can tell... It didn't help anywhere the the, the uh, legalistic environment that I was uh, growing in in the church. Even though I would go back home and I would seek God and he would show me the truth through his word and through other teachings. When I couldn't quite hear him myself, he would send me a teacher or a teaching that was the truth that he had shown me, which I just couldn't articulate yet. But I, I was being undermined in the churches that I was attending this sort of uh, perfection and holiness thing. Uh, and they were preaching good behavior, holiness, as a means of obtaining our salvation or keeping it instead of a byproduct of the relationship that we had with Christ. And that was wrong, and I knew it, but I just didn't know how to overcome it. So anyway, I was dealing with <laughs> condemnation a lot. So I had this dream, because it was something that I was really struggling with at the time. And Jesus... I was standing in a, a courtroom, an old, dingy courtroom, and I was standing there as before the judge. But I remember clearly that there was, I couldn't see, there was no judge there, there was no prosecutor there, and I was like, I knew I was in trouble. I was standing there to be tried for my crimes, and I was just waiting to see how this thing kind of played out. I looked to my right, I felt something, and I looked to my right, and Jesus was standing next to me. <clears throat> and I remember the overwhelming joy and love, and I just, I hit the ground. I couldn't even stand in his presence, and he just turned, he looked at me and smiled, and then he turned and he walked straight back through that wall there, and I was begging him to go with him and he never even turned back he just left but when I turned back 
there was no no judge, no prosecutor, no jury, no nothing. And then this other person came up to me and said, you're free. You're free. And I said, well, so are you. <laughs> and I said, I think he was looking at you. I'm talking about Jesus. And they said, he was looking at you. <clears throat> and I was so happy. You know, you just don't want to wake up from a dream like that. I was so sad that he didn't speak to me or take me with him, though. But that wasn't his point. He was showing me that he was my advocate. And as long as he stood with me, there were, there were no accusers anymore. No one could accuse me because I was in him. I am in him. He bore all my punishment. And now I'm free. Free to live for him. Free to love. To allow him to live and love through me. And that's a necessity for the Christian to come to terms with these facts. That this is the reality of the Christian life. The real revelation that is necessary besides that, because it kind of goes together, is his love for you. Because Jesus, God is love, for starters. He doesn't know anything else. Even the, the Old Testament things that even our president is confused about, and, and many Christians are confused about because they try to blend the old and the new together, and it's just impossible the new covenant is so different from the old. It's like night and day. And you can't put one, you can't mix them together. If you, if you mix them, it's all ruined. Jesus said you can't put new wine into the old wineskin. It'll burst. It can't hold it. That's what he was talking about. You can't mix grace and truth with the old covenant of law and legalism. I'll never forget... <coughs> Around this same time when all this other stuff happened, I had just got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I was taking advantage because I was reading that it, it helped to build me up in my most holy faith and that I should pray in the Spirit at all times and, and all these wonderful things I was learning. So I was taking advantage of this new prayer language. It was something that I could do without the benefit of others and, and I just trusted God right away that it was building me up. After I fought it so hard, I told, I told the people that we were with, I said, that, I'm not doing that. That's, that's weird. And see the, the, see, the premise of my thinking was good. It was right. And that's something that I, I, I'm an advocate for now. Is that, Like I told them on uh, Thursday night, we're here for New Year's, I said, God is not weird. And these people that have made him look so weird, it's their fault that, that some people are, are doing without the gifts and the things that he has for us for this life that are so empowering and necessary but ne nevertheless i was i was in my truck and here i was again having this this pity party trying to figure out this salvation i wanted to know it all at once and i wanted to know god all at once and i wanted to move into whatever he had for me all at once and i was still struggling with all the things that that i had sown right so i'm in my truck in a home depot parking lot and i'm praying in the spirit and i'm crying and i'm just i get louder and louder and it's basically i'm i'm i'm, I'm praying my own edification because that's what you do when you pray in the spirit but basically i was thinking i was yelling at god through his own uh language right 
<laughs> well, I'm telling you all this stuff. Hopefully it'll help somebody. <laughs> and after like five or ten minutes of this, I just, I just stopped for some reason. And you know, after it's been loud in a small environment like that, and then it gets quiet, it's really quiet, and you can hear everything, and all I hear was this. <laughs> just like that. And then these words. You're my child. I love you, and I'm well pleased. The same thing he told Jesus when he came up out of the water when he was baptized. I heard God say those words. And it changed everything. I was going through all these things and Jesus kept showing up in my life and I was scared to tell anybody because I thought they would think I was a liar. <laughs> But I remember telling these two ministers that day at lunch, and I don't know why Tavana wasn't with me, but I went to meet them, and, and uh, we were sitting there, and these were spirit-filled believers, and I said, man, i got to tell you all something. And when I told them the words I just told you, those anointed words from the Word, which I really wasn't even familiar with them being in the Word at that time, it almost knocked them off their chairs. I can remember how... It quickened in their spirit because they were just sitting there kind of listening to me. And when I said it, they went, they both jumped like that. And they felt it. You know, they knew it was God. And so that was confirmation to me even. So I was thankful for that. But God loves us. He loves us so much. And I want you to look over at Paul's prayer to the Ephesians. Look at, well, look at Romans 8.39. I'm almost done here today. I, I just wanted to share a few scriptures with you because sometimes I do about 50 or 75 scriptures. And, and uh, unless you're going back and studying the messages, which I can tell you're not because I know who listens to them <laughs> through my podcast. <laughs> not who, but nevertheless, how many. Look at Romans 8, 37. Paul's tell, talking to us, trying to convince us again, about those of us who are living this new life after the Spirit. He says, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a, that's a beautiful scripture we're all familiar with, but I just encourage you to take it to heart. Apply it to yourself. Put your name all in it. And every time you find a scripture like that, claim it for yourself because God is no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. Amen. He loves you. He doesn't even remember the things that you continue to go to him about like I used to do. Because you, you, ever, you ever had some things that are so difficult in your past that when you you be going about your business and it comes into your mind and you just, you just, oh God, you just hate 
it and you hate you for it, really. Well, I had a lot of those. <laughs> and, and, and it still happens, frankly. But now, I understand some things. God has given me revelation knowledge through this word with the help of the Holy Spirit. And now, even if I wake up from a dream of terrible things like that, I immediately plead the blood of Jesus over those things. I rebuke ungodly and unholy thoughts. I rebuke accusations from the devil. I command all those unholy thoughts and unholy thinking to leave me in the name of Jesus and not return. And then I loose all of the fruit of the Spirit into my mind and my heart verbally in the name of Jesus. These are things that you can do. These are things that you should do. And you need to learn that this is part of the relationship that you have. You have a part to play. I've told this story many times, and, uh, and I think Manny and May are familiar with it, but Kenneth Hagin was a great man of faith, and he had an experience with, with Jesus. He was talking to him, and Jesus had some things to And, of course, he wanted to hear what Jesus was telling him. And there was this little demon that kept running in front and between them, like a little monkey thing, you know, a little, just some little demon. And he was just ch- making all these noises and being a distraction on purpose. Running back and forth. And finally, Kenneth Hagin, he's thinking, Lord, when are you, you going to do something about that? When are you going to put a stop to that? And he never did. So Kenneth Hagin finally said, shut up and get out of here. And the thing took off. And Jesus told him, I'm glad you did that. Because if you wouldn't have, I couldn't. This is important. Because it's a great illustration of what I'm talking about, about the relationship. We have a part to play. And so much of the body of Christ does not learn these things. They're not taught this. They're taught sovereignty of God in error. To everything that happens is God's will, no matter what, good or bad or indifferent. And that's a lie. What Jesus was showing Kenneth that day is that when he said it is finished and he went to heaven and he sat at the right hand of the Father... It was finished for him. <clears throat> Not that he doesn't care about us. Of course he does. But he's already given us everything that we need for this life and for godliness. He's given us his authority. The authority to use his name. He's given us faith. And he's given us all of the fruit of the Spirit and the Holy Ghost to live this life. We are his hands and feet and mouthpiece in this world. And unless we agree... You can disagree with that, but it doesn't change it, you see. You can disagree with it, but it doesn't change it. So it's better to get on board with it and go, you know, this is real. My words are very powerful. I'm a creative being, just like my Father in heaven, who created everything I know and see, including me, with his words. And now he has given me authority to use some words. And now I can use his faith-filled words to speak the promises of God over my life and over others and over things going on in this world and I can create some life in this in this in this fallen world or if I allow the enemy would have me to create some things for him too and if he can get me to believe his lies and I can speak those out and all the negative doubt and unbelief and and uh, death that he wants me to to speak out then what he has effectively done He's used the only tool that he has, which is deception, 
to entice one of God's children to do some creating for him because he has no power anymore. Jesus has taken it. Only thing he has here in this world now is the power of deception. This is the only thing he's been using since the Garden of Eden. And if he can get us to to doubt his God's goodness and his word, then he can use us for his, his glory instead of for God's. I want to encourage everybody because I'm probably going to stop here. But when we look at New Year, we think about all the positive possibilities, the things that we can accomplish. And I just want to remind you that, you know, you never have gone back to somebody and said, Hey, man, remember last year? You wished that I would have a happy and prosperous new year, and so I did. So I'm so glad you wished that for me, because you wished it, I had it. No, that's not what's going to cause you to prosper in this year. Prosperity is already given to you by God in Christ. It's part of the grace of God. Everything is provided through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness for your sins, which was just something necessary to get out of the way so that we could have a relationship with the Holy God again. But that's what he really wanted was you. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God and your son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This relationship is what God was after. And as a byproduct of this relationship, trusting and believing in him and his word and his provision for your life and making it your own. All these things will come to pass as byproducts of the relationship. You don't have to seek after the things of the world, the things that you need, even good things that you don't necessarily need that you would like to have. You'll find that God will provide those things for you. He delights in the prosperity of his servant. You choose to serve God. I think I posted up on my Facebook the other night, resolution one, I will serve God. Resolution two, if nobody else does, I still will. I know a couple of you saw it, Angela, I think, because she reposted it, and I think you did too. But nevertheless, that is a great, great thing. I, I didn't write it. I saw that thing, and I, 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 I grabbed hold of it because that is exactly, especially in these end times when the world, there is a great falling away that is to take place from the church. I think that's already taking place. The real worshipers, the real Christians, if you, if you had a way of saying the will, the true Christians, those who really belong to him, please stand up. And, and they had to be honest, and if they even know, uh, in many of these uh, overly populated churches, which is, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, I, I think very few would stand up. I think very few would be able to stand up if it was a necessity that they actually be saved. I'm not the only one who say that, and I don't wish that upon anybody. It's not for me to judge. I'm here to be a witness and a light. God will do the judging, but I'm telling you, we, can, we do judge all things, and we're called to judge all things, not people, but things. And we can, we, we can be pretty good fruit inspectors. <laughs> And if you don't see the fruit of that relationship in someone's life, there may be a chance that there's not a relationship there, you see. Mm -hmm. Others, you just know, you know. 
Yeah, I, I've, met, I've met hundreds of people who, before we ever spoke a word to each other, we already knew. <laughs> I met a woman in Costco the other day, a little, little old woman, and she, she said, haven't I seen you before? Because she was giving the, the food away. She goes, I know I've seen you before. And I said, I think we have met. And, uh, and said, what's your name? I said, Will. She said, Pastor Will. I said, yes. She goes, oh, God, I think I knew. I knew I'm glad I came to work today. Because I always give her a word, you know. But that that's fun, you know. That's the kind of stuff you can look forward to when, when you're just doing the Christian life, you know. And you just never know what God's got in store for you. But I want to encourage all of us not to seek after the things of the world. Put Seek God and his righteousness. Put him first. Put him on the pedestal of your life. Meditate on him and his truth. Seek him with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And you'll find that all the things that consume your time and attention that you are struggling and endeavoring and going after in this world, all those things, if they're of God, will come, nat- come without you trying. And all the other things, pretty soon, your desires will change. God says he wants to give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't mean any ungodly thing that you want. He means he wants you to seek him to the point that you find him. When you seek him with your whole heart. And he becomes first and foremost in your life. And then his desires will become your desires. He says, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? Amos 3.3. 3. He wants you to come to know him, the real him, the God of the new covenant, and walk with him in agreement so that he can bring all your desires to pass. And he can fulfill, bring to fulfillment all the days that he's written out for your life in his book. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I love you. I was going to go into uh, some other things, but I think this is a good stopping point today. So we never finish. We just stop and we'll start again. Amen? Amen. So Happy New Year. God bless you all. Father, we thank you for this uh, this uh, this happy new year. We thank you for this 2016, and we just take it to heart, Lord, that it stands for a year of love and, and prosperity and us focusing on your love for us and the 16 names that you have that point to how much you love your children. And we're just going to make that our own. We thank you that you've given us your name and that we will receive all of the love that you have for us so that we can give away that which we receive. We thank you for overwhelming us with your divine grace so that we can share it with others. We thank you, Lord, that your grace teaches us to live godly, holy lives. We thank you, Lord, that you have wonderful things in store for us. Plans of hope and a future to prosper us and not to harm us. We receive all of your goodness, Lord. We thank you that, Jesus, you have taken all of our bad. You paid for it. We're not going to bear the load of it anymore. 
we receive the free gift of salvation. And because of it, our hearts are overflowing with love and thankfulness to you. And we want to come to know you better this year. We'll serve you if nobody else does. We trust you, Lord. We know that eternity is a long time. And we put our wor- our value in eternity with you instead of this flicker of a life that we hear on this earth. How foolish it would be for us to set our minds on things of this world when we were just momentarily passing through. We seek you, Lord, with all of our hearts, and we thank you for the covenant of love and grace and mercy and truth that we share in you. In Jesus' name, amen.